0: I'm your host, Jessica May, fitness and nutrition coach, hot mess mama too, a recovering perfectionist, and a lover of all things sprinkles and Mexican food. I'm also a woman on a mission to help you strengthen your body and mind so that you can be the best version of yourself. Ready to unleash your inner and outer strong mom? Let's get started. Hey, strong mom, I have a very special episode for you today in awareness of breast implant Awareness Month, which is this month in March, I have done an interview with Christina Roland, who I feel is the go-to person right now for breast implant illness, and not only is this a conversation um, that will help you to understand what breast implant illness is, it's a conversation between two women that have gone through this journey, her and myself, and we share a lot of what the emotions are like throughout this journey and share some really open opinions on some really tough conversations or um, topics when it comes to things that women with breast implant illness have to deal with. So I'm really excited to share this with you. I feel like if you're somebody that has been through BII, is going through it, or knows somebody, that this is going to be such a valuable interview for you. And if anything, if you are somebody that's going through BII, I want this to make you feel like you're not alone, and then you don't have to go through this alone either. So without further ado, here is my episode or interview with Christina Roland. Hi guys, welcome back to the Mama's New Strong Podcast. And today I have Christina Rowland with me and she is an advocate for BII. That's why I have her on here today to spread some awareness. She is all about uh, body positivity and self-love. And I think that she has one of the most go-to groups on Facebook for BII. She also is the founder of Size Happy. And Christina, I'm happy you're here with me today. I guess let, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how you help women
1: yeah so thank you for having me first off and hello everybody listening um so yeah i'm the founder of size happy so it's my mission and my message to just really empower women to see beyond their size so see beyond their gene size their breast size their shape their weight and to really detach happiness and confidence from like a number and a size right and we'll get more into about why that's so important to me. Um, And then I'm also the admin for a breast implant illness group on Facebook. It's called Breast Implant Illness Rejuvenation and Education with Christina. Um, And again, there, it's really just my mission to... Educate women on the potential risks associated with breast implants, educate them on breast implant illness and the explanting process. And of course, I sprinkle in some self-love in there and some healing and everything like that. So it's a really safe community for women to just share their story and um, get some real support And our community will support you in whatever decision you decide to do. Um, So, yeah, just come in there. And if you have any questions after this podcast, which you probably will, that would be the (laughs) place that I think Jessica and I would both probably refer you to is going in there.
0: Yes. And honestly, that I have people message me because I've been so open about my journey. And your Facebook group is the place I send them to because (laughs) I do love the dynamics in there. And so, I really wanted to dive in today, first with you sharing, uh, you sharing your story through BII, and um, how uh, you know how that's kind of translated into where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, so it started actually way before I got breast implants. So, for me, like probably many of you, I was a teenager. I didn't develop big breasts. So, I would say around the time that I was nineteen. I just knew that I wanted them around this time. MTV was very popular. And so there was Pamela Anderson and Carmen Electra, Jenny McCarthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And we saw all these beautiful women who were just getting breast implants and you know, they seemed happier and more confident and bubbly and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, I want to look like that. So when I was 19, I was like, I'm going to get breast implants. I didn't get them at 19. Fast forward a few years. um, When I was 23, almost 24, I did get breast implants. So I got 420 cc silicone, smooth, under the muscle. I went from like a 34A to about a 36D. And for the first five years, I was very happy, very healthy. I didn't have any issues. You know, it improved my confidence. I got to wear, you know, cute things back then. And it wasn't until 2011, after I had my son, when I feel like things really started um, in regards to feeling these symptoms, so after I had my son, I started to just experience a lot of fatigue like all day long, and it never went away and Then I had some brain fog, and it just feels like you 're spacey or 're forgetful um, you 're kind of like walking in a cloud, and so I just chalked up these two symptoms and particularly to just giving birth to my son. I was hormonal I was now a stay at home mom. Um you know, I had a newborn baby in my house, and you know, I just thought, okay, I'm tired and I'm spacey. This is just part of being a mom, right? And so those two symptoms actually never went away over the years. They just kept getting worse. Um, and then, in two thousand and fourteen is when things really really started. So in October two thousand and fourteen, this was actually a month after I did a fitness competition. So I don't know if just like the hormones and the dieting, stress, yeah. um, you know, yeah. And the stress and the pressure of all of that maybe triggered some of these things, but I feel like it was inevitable regardless. So in October, 2014, I got a lump underneath my right armpit and it was a lymph node. And it was, I mean, I saw the picture recently cause it came up in my timeline, but it was literally like a little olive underneath my armpit. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? It was tender. It was painful. Um, and I never dealt with anything like this before. So I went to my gynecologist, showed her, she felt around. She said, yeah, it feels like a lymph node. It looks like a lymph node. If it goes away and then comes back, definitely go see your doctor. So I was like, okay. Um, she didn't seem concerned at all about it. I felt like maybe she just sees it all the time. And so I didn't seem concerned about it. I just went on with my life, but then in, it did go away. And then in December, so a couple months later, it came back. So that's when I was like, okay, my body's definitely responding to something because your lymph nodes in your body don't just respond to nothing. They respond to, you know, um, bacteria and fungus and viruses and cancer cells and all sorts of things. So I went to my doctor again, she felt around. She's like, yeah, it feels like a lymph node, put me on antibiotics and antivirals. And neither of those two things did anything for it. It just really made me feel loopy and irritable and stuff like that being on them. And then literally around this time, so we're talking... December two thousand fourteen to about May two thousand fifteen. Within a short amount of time, I'm dealing with um, a swollen lymph node in my armpit, and then comes the extreme depression and anxiety bouts. I've never experienced this before. for For those of you that don't know what anxiety feels like, it literally feels like you're just panicked. Something is wrong, and you don't know where to go, where to turn to. You can't think straight. You know, your breathing's off. I've never dealt with this before. And that, that alone was very scary to me. Um, and then I started to experience, um, like a lot more hair loss when I showered to the point to where I hated to take a shower because I didn't want to lose so much hair. Every time I showered, my eyes started to get blurrier and dry, started to have eye floaters, um, hip joint pain, um, gasping for air my libido after my pregnancy, like my libido just went away. So like I was never interested in sex. I never really wanted to have it. It was, you know, nothing like that. Um, I feel like I'm missing something, but you know, I was really dealing with all of these symptoms within a short amount of time. And here I was very healthy. I was a health and fitness coach at this time, taking good care of my body, taking good care of my mind. And at this time, I think I was like 32 and I was dealing with all these things within such a short amount of time. I was going to the doctors, going to specialists. I got a mammogram, got ultrasounds, tried different protocols, different supplements, um, saw naturopaths. I mean, I even went to extremes to follow an alkaline diet. So anything acidic, I didn't eat. I was peeing on alkaline strips to like make sure I was out. Like I was going to extremes, right? And nothing was working. Um, what were the doctors I, telling you, Christina? Like throughout- The doctors, so the doctors were checking me for fatigue. They were checking, um, like I, I remember one day I went into the doctor, I was, a, I was a hysterical wreck and that's the day that she prescribed me Xanax. Um, the doctors were just giving me blood work and we did find out that I had the Epstein bar virus. So my antibodies, I didn't even know I had it before, but my antibodies were really high and they were there and I was like, oh my God, I never even knew I had this. So that might explain the fatigue. I just so then I chalked everything up to the Epstein Barr virus, right? The the moodiness and all that I know it you know can do that. Um, so I just went on with my life and just kind of adjusted around my symptoms. I adapted to how I was feeling. Um, the last symptom to show up for me was in two thousand seventeen, and it was the gasping for air, and that was that was really alarming because again, I'm physically fit. I take good care of myself. And I was doing the laundry upstairs um, one night and I was just gasping for air doing the laundry. And I'm like, gosh, this is not normal.
0: And then you're a fitness person. Like as, as right. I went through this, I, the same related, I almost felt like a hypocrite because I'm like, here I am. I eat well, I'm a fitness and health person. And then I'm feeling like crap all the time. Like by, by two or three, I just want to lay on the couch and do nothing every day. And I was like, this is not,
1: Yeah, you feel like an imposter. Like I'm supposed to be sitting here feeling amazing, and you know, having all this energy.
0: What you're doing at all? Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Um, So one day, I was sitting on the couch downstairs watching TV, and there was a handful of women who were talking about two things that I never heard about before: breast implant illness and explanting, and they were talking about all these symptoms that they had. And I was like, oh my gosh, those sound like the symptoms that I have. And then they talked about how they removed their breast implants and either all their symptoms vastly improved or completely went away without really changing anything in their life. And after I heard that, um, for me, it was like a bingo moment. It was, I had no question, no doubt. I was like, oh my God, here I am trying to change everything external around me my food my diet my supplements like i'm trying to do all the things out here but what is actually hurting me has been inside of me all along so then like a maniac i started to research breast implant illness like what is it what are the symptoms what are breast implants made out of you know so on and so forth and when i discovered what breast implants were made out of alone that's when i was like yeah these things are coming out of me these should not be in me or anybody And I'm willing to take this risk because like all these chemicals and the heavy metals, of course they're bombarding my body and, you know, um, weakening my immune system and all of this stuff. So, um, the following year in August of 2018 is when I explanted. And I mean, ever since then, I mean, it didn't start off good, but ever since then, like I feel amazing. I really didn't change anything else in my lifestyle. Um, And all of my symptoms literally went away.
0: (laughs) So awesome. Yeah. That's me too. I mean, some, some of them, I don't know about you too. There was things like after explant that I didn't even realize were explant related. Like I had mm-hmm. extreme car sickness and that like went away like immediately. And I like my vision got bad. I didn't even know my vision was bad until I got them out. It's like, just, <laughs> you just start realizing it was like, oh my gosh, it's like, I have another chance at life. Like, that's what it like, yeah. really felt like, it was a really cool experience to like go through that, you know? Um, yeah. and that's kind of also what I, well, let's not get ahead. I will talk about that in a little bit, you know, what that journey can be like for everybody. Um, But I think it's really important too, like for you, I know there's, you're just a person that so many people come to, you hear so many different things when it comes to women first learning about BII. I remember for myself, like I was obsessive about researching and reading this and that. And sometimes you have conflicting things that you hear. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some common misconceptions that you have heard around BII that you've had to set straight for women?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is, is a lot of women are like, I have saline implants. Aren't saline safer? And the the short answer is no. Saline actually is not safer. You would think, oh, but they're filled with saline water and they're not filled with silicone. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But the saline shell is still the same thing that silicone shells are made out of. So you're still getting exposed to the heavy metals and the endocrine disruptors and the, the neurotoxins and all of those things. Um, I have a list of what these implants are made out of. Some of these things I can't even pronounce, but I know there's acetone in here, formaldehyde, um, talcum powder, uh, zinc oxide, there's lead-based stuff. The list goes on. There's over 40, I don't wanna say ingredients, but there's over 40 chemicals that these implants are made out of and there's over a dozen heavy metals. So heavy metals are horrible for your lungs and it's horrible for your brain. so even though you might have saline implants, you're still getting exposed to that shell that is made out of silicone and all of those toxins. So that's one, that's one like myth that we're coming to find out. And, and even with the, the saline ones, I've seen so many photos where the saline valve was faulty. And so now these women have mold and like fungus growing inside their implant. So when they get, the, uh, when they get their implant, you know, they're able to look at their implant and they have these things floating around their implants. I mean, so yeah, that's, that's one myth. Um, another one is, you know, that they're lifetime devices. They are not lifetime devices. It even says it in the breast implant manufacturer's own pamphlets. So like every eight to 10, I would say at 12 most, you're supposed to get your implants exchanged. So you take out the implant, you put in a new set. Um, some women are told that they're lifetime devices and they never need to get them taken out. And so that's another thing. It's, it's not true. You do have to get them exchanged. Um, What are some other things?
0: I know I'm trying to think of that. was a big one for me that I was told it was a lifetime device. Mm -hmm. What about some uh, misconceptions about even like X planning? Because I remember women going back and forth on like, how do you X plan or what, you know, what's the proper way to X plant?
1: So, from what we know now, and again, I am not a medical professional, Jessica's not a medical professional, so nothing here is to be taken as medical advice. But, like, from what this community understands, is that when you explant, and this is very, very important, um, when you explant, you want to get your implant taken out what's called on block. And the definition of on block just means together in one piece. So, you're gonna get your implant in the capsule, which is like the scar tissue that your body. Um, puts around this implant to basically protect you. Um, You want to get that capsule and your implant taken out together in one piece. And the reason why you want to do this is should your silicone implant be ruptured, um, you do not want to cut that capsule open and then potentially have your body exposed to a ruptured implant, full of those chemicals and those heavy metals, right? You don't want any of that stuff to get into your bloodstream. So the safest way to ensure that everything stays contained is to get your explant done on block. So when you go to your consultation, you wanna make sure that your explant surgeon will take your implants out on block. They, they will know exactly what that means. Um, and then you also wanna make sure that they'll do a capsulectomy. So capsulectomy, just means the removal of a capsule. The capsule is the the red scar tissue that's wrapped around your implants. So should any capsule be attached to your ribs, to any muscle, to any lymph nodes, to like to anything in your body, they're gonna safely either peel it off, um, cauterize it off, scrape it off, whatever they have to do, but they're gonna you know, try to get as much as they can um, out of your body and just really leave you with a really clean chest cavity. Um, and this is very important for you that have saline implants, you want to make sure that your surgeon is not going to drain your saline implant first. Because again, should your saline implant have that faulty valve and have has mold or fungus or anything inside of it, you don't want that stuff to get drained inside of your body or anything like that. So whether you have saline or silicone implants, just make sure that your surgeon will take it out on block. They'll do a total capsulectomy. Um, and those are really the two main things you want to make sure, um, when you're getting an explant. And I, for me, it was like another thing that was really important to me personally is just like feeling a connection with my surgeon. So I consulted with a couple of surgeons and one I just felt was I don't know. I just didn't vibe with him. And then the surgeon that I did choose, I just felt really connected. Um, he took into consideration my husband as well and how he's doing and stuff like that. So just for me personally, it's not important.
0: I, right. I think, like, I, I totally agree. Like with my surgeon, I knew within minutes, like mm-hmm. you feel this connection and yeah. my experience was amazing. Like I couldn't have asked for a better ex-plan experience. Like his bedside manner yeah. was like, yeah recover and I don't know about you but to me the recovery was even easier but I know that's not for everybody but I don't yeah
1: yeah and and even talking about this so I don't forget like me personally this is just my opinion whether your surgeon believes in breast implant illness or not like if they don't believe in it, but they do a great job and they'll do your explant safely and they're just a good person, I think that's enough. I mean, if they believe in breast implant illness, I feel like that's just kind of like a bonus. Like that's amazing. That's great. But you know, there's still some surgeons out there who are really good, reputable explant surgeons, and they're just kind of iffy about breast implant illness, right? So, um, you know, if you find a really good surgeon and they'll do everything safely, and it costs good, and they can get you in on time, and like all the stars are aligned, but they don't believe in breast implant illness, um, I, I would
0: still recommend you go with that surgeon. So. I think that's a really good thing to recommend to women because this is—I mm-hmm. still feel like this is such a new thing that you know we're kind of working through. Like even like in the medical field, you know, yeah. like, we're watching the FDA press conferences. Or you know, last year mm-hmm. that was yep. that was That's still not that long ago. That you're still yep. trying to figure all this out.
1: Yeah, and we got to understand like surgeons have the medical brain. Doctors have the med- they want to go on research and they want to go on, you know, the <laughs> studies and so on and so forth. Um but then there are there in my opinion are some that just have hearts and like common sense of like yes. yeah, these things we're finding out what they're made of. We know how the body works physiologically in our immune system. Like of course it would make sense that right. these women are feeling fatigue and brain fog and losing their hair. Of course, right? Um, and then they see their patients Feel you better. know, yeah. one month, six months, and they feel better. So it's like you're seeing a healing right before your eye. How can you deny that, right? Exactly. Um, but, I
0: think that's what helped me with my surgeon because he was like, I can't say that I know BII is a thing, but all I can tell you is when I remove these from women, their symptoms improve. That's yeah. all I can tell you. That's basically
1: what my surgeon said, right? He's like, I don't know. It's just still <laughs> very new. Yeah, said like the same thing, but I see women improving. So it's like something is definitely there. Um, and then there's the fact that breast implants are causing BIA-ALCL in women. Um, since January twenty fourth, twenty twenty, there are currently eight hundred and eighty five cases and thirty three deaths. So BIA-ALCL is breast implant associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma. This is not a breast cancer, it's a cancer of the immune system. You can only get this cancer if you have breast implants. So, essentially, you're getting cancer from your breast implants. And unfortunately, there are some women who had breast cancer. They opted for textured breast implants, and those were the implants that were giving them now the immune system cancer. So, um, you know, I think we're all, you and I, are personal friends with, you know, a handful of them who got this cancer. From their breast implants after going through breast cancer and it's just so unacceptable in my opinion that they have to now go through that after already going through cancer and losing their breasts once right now they're losing their breasts again and going through another cancer
0: um so now, there is that
1: to consider too
0: is it only textured or is that including saline as well that's Don't, what i I
1: I honestly wouldn't know. Um or I I don't know, I like just guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: I couldn't get so an answer on that when I would research it even from the FDA's website.
1: Yeah. Um I think we're still probably trying to to figure that out too. So, you know, for those of you that maybe had breast cancer and have especially textured implants or even just opted for implants, And you're feeling all these weird things like swollen breasts and redness and hardness and itchiness and rashes and all that stuff. Definitely just research for yourself B I A A L C L and just learn more about it. Learn what to look out for um, because it is a very real thing and it's a very new thing. Um, But again, you know, I'm always just telling women to be very in tune with their body. So if you feel like something's wrong or off or not right, you know, definitely look into that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and then also, as far as some of the, I guess we could just kind of touch on some of the biggest symptoms. I feel like a lot of them are the same symptoms like an autoimmune disorder because that's kind of what it seems like as your body's attacking something foreign. It's causing an autoimmune type of reaction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and another thing, before I get into the symptoms, because I have a whole list um, here in front of me, is your implants do not have to be leaking. For you to get this, my implants were perfectly intact, not a pinhole, not a rupture. And that's pretty much the case for, I would say, in my guess, like 70% of the women. Their implants aren't ruptured, they're not leaking, they're perfect. And we're still getting these symptoms and these responses. So, some of the symptoms that I would say the vast majority of women are experiencing are fatigue, brain fog, insomnia, joint pain, blurry vision inflammation, um, which makes it very hard to lose weight. You just feel really puffy. You have a hard time losing weight, no matter like how hard you diet, no matter what you do, you just can't get this weight off of you. Um, And then you have the anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. So there's been so many studies of women who are at a higher risk of suicide who have breast implants. In my opinion. I personally feel like it's because the heavy metals are getting through the blood-brain barrier and it's affecting their brain, which again, affects their mood, affects their thoughts, and so my reasoning is it's probably from these heavy metals from the breast implants that are really messing up um, their moods and everything like that. Um, Hair loss and hair thinning, having really cold extremities, gasping for air, shortness of breath, heart palpitations are a really big one I see. Um, night sweats skin rashes again this could be all over this could be on your breasts face legs anywhere Um, swollen lymph nodes are another one that i see Um, tingling numbness in your arms and your legs vertigo Um, having really slow muscle recovery like after you exercise Um, headaches dizziness migraines and then like food intolerances like ibs a lot of women have candida issues parasite issues um, uti infections but those what I've chunked up are like the vast majority. And yeah, they do sound like, oh my God, there's like, that could be anything. And you're absolutely right. That could be anything. But we're finding that these women that have breast implants who explant and have a lot of those symptoms, all of those symptoms pretty much go away, if not drastically improve after explanting without taking more supplements or changing anything in their life. So if you feel like, God, I I have either all of those, or I have half of those, and I'm healthy and like, I can't find out what's wrong with me. And I have breast implants. You might want to consider at this point that look into that. It could be from your breast implants um, that are, you know, causing you to have these symptoms. Symptoms are your body's communication of telling you something's wrong. Something's off. I need help. Like, you know, so listen to your symptoms. Don't wait until you're debilitated in bed because either, you're in a lot of pain or you're just super depressed, right? Or you're just super tired. Like take care of things now, especially if you're young, especially if you're healthy, Um, you know, and really take this seriously and look into it. Um, Some other things that women have got diagnosed with, and I've seen quite a few even recover and go into remission after explanting are like having hypo and hyperthyroid, fibromyalgia, Lyme, RA, lupus, uh, I, I forget how to pronounce it, but the rhinoid syndrome, Hashimoto's, like Crohn's. I, I see a lot of women being diagnosed with this while they have their implants. And then they explant, and like within a few years, they're in remission, right? Nothing nothing post-explant is gonna be miraculous. I just, I don't wanna give anybody false hope of like, you're gonna explant, which I think would be a good segue to, to go into that. Yes, now, I will, right? Yeah. Like, I you're to- not gonna... From what I see, and I have a group of almost 6,000 women, don't expect, it's a great thought and I expected it too, but don't expect like you're going to explant and within two weeks, you're going to be like going to Disney World and life is going to move on. It's going to take, you know, I would say three months for me is like when I really started to notice, wow, I'm moving better. I'm not waking up with hip joint pain. I feel better. I have more energy. So you Post-explant, you have to be really patient with your body. It just went through a major surgery, and for those of you that are very sick, it's been dealing with all these symptoms for years and years and years. You're exposed to these toxins and these chemicals for years and years. It's going to take some time. And you know, some we do see the pictures inside Facebook groups where some women were really sick pre while they had the implants. And then like a week after their explant, they look like a cover model, right? They look amazing. That can happen to some women. It does. Um, But again, for the vast majority of women, from what I see, it takes time. So if you're six months post-explant, but you're feeling 80% better, take that as like, hoorah. That's amazing. Yeah. I might still be dealing with maybe a little bit of hip joint pain, maybe a little bit of inflammation, but like 80% Percent of my symptoms are gone. Like focus on that. That's amazing. Um, I always say that explanting isn't really the cure. It's really just step one in this healing journey. Um, and then you have to just process these emotions that are coming up. Go through some detoxes. Um, and again, just go through the forgiveness process. This isn't just a physical thing that we're all going through. It's very much so emotional and mental. So. I find a lot of women also, including myself, (laughs) I felt like I was on an emotional roller coaster after I explanted and I was very emotional and crying for like no good reason out of nowhere. And something that you should probably realize is like all these years of you being sick and you feeling frustrated and shamed and guilty and scared and worried It's all being pent up inside of your body. So you're having these stored emotions inside of your body. After you explant, you feel that relief and your body almost like relaxes. And so now, you know, not to get too woo on you, but your energy centers are like flowing a lot better now that it's not being bombarded with these chemicals. And so all these emotions are going to come to the surface out of nowhere. They need to be expressed fully. If you're feeling sad out of nowhere, feel it, like get it out of you um, process it and then just release it. Don't judge any feelings or thoughts that come up, just notice them. And, you know, I always say like the quickest way to healing is not by like suppressing your emotions and your thoughts and pushing it aside and shoving it aside. And that's not going to help anything. It's not going to help your body or situation, anything like that. So if you are feeling emotional or sad or mad or whatever it may be, just feel it, feel it, and then just as quickly as you feel it, just release it and surrender um, and forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for getting the implants, forgive your doctor, forgive uh, maybe your ex-husband who talked you into getting the implants, right? Um, in in my opinion, after explanting is the time for forgiveness, patience, and self-care. So those would be like the three things I would definitely recommend If you've just explanted or if you're going to be explanting here pretty soon, write those three things down, like forgiveness, uh, patience with your body and with yourself and with this process, and then just self-care. So be really loving with yourself, with your body, be gracious with how it now looks, with how it now feels. Um, Yeah, just all of that.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I love that. The patience, the self-love and the forgiveness. Like I think that's Mm -hmm. three really good things to focus on. And one of the part of this journey. Now let's talk a little bit about you know the emotional roller coaster because I really mm. felt like that as well. And I think one of the biggest things, and I call it, I tell women it's like the leap of faith because there's really no tests to know if you have BII. Like yeah. I went to my doctor trying to t- to tell her my concerns and this and that and. I got sent away with like, here's a just a prescription for antidepressants. Like, yep. and it was mm-hmm. at that point, it's like, is this really all in my head? Like, is there something wrong mm-hmm. with me? Am I going back to that <laughs> hard place? It's like, it's yeah. a lot to deal with because you have to, it really is a leap of faith, but there was just something like in my heart and my gut. Like I just knew like, this is, I had to do this. Like this was what, even though at first, at first my husband thought it was a little crazy. <laughs> I'll
1: admit. Yeah, mine too. Mine too <laughs> at first. Yeah. He yeah. did. Um,
0: but you know, he was like, if this is what you really think, you know, he's like, he's, I could still tell he wasn't unsure until afterwards when all the positive, you know, health benefits. but it's like, what yeah. would you tell somebody when they're at that point where it's like, they need to take that leap of faith? Like, have you like ever, when they're
1: feeling crazy and they're feeling like, Oh, yes. maybe this is all in my head. I would just say, trust your gut. I would, that's what I would tell a friend, trust your gut, your intuition. Like, what is that telling you? Like forget about forget about like the opinions of others, and yeah. forget about what a man in a white coat might tell you. just like tune all that out for a second, right, and sit with yourself and ask yourself some questions like, have I done everything? Have I done everything, and nothing is working? Could it be my implants? like see what comes to you when you ask yourself and your intuition, and I would think if you've tried everything up until this point and you've spent all this money and you've seen all these specialists and you yourself are now in this place of like, man, could it be my implants? You know, ask yourself these questions because you and your body are going to know more than anybody else. So, I mean, that's just kind of what I would tell to somebody. um,
0: That's kind of, I felt like when I would read other women's stories, like it just, I connected, like it connected Mm -hmm. with, you know, it's like, okay. There's something to this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And when I, you know, probably like you, like for years, I felt crazy. I felt alone. I felt like I had this rare cancer that nobody could figure out and I was going to die. Like I felt like I was dying. I felt like something was very wrong with me and my body. And so when I found groups and when I found the community and the women were talking about their stories, I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I felt validated. I felt heard. I felt understood finally. I felt like this is it. Like, oh my gosh. I felt relief most of all. I was yeah. like, oh, thank I, you. I
0: totally can't like, like, I was blaming it on like, because a lot of like you started after I had kids. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what it's like. My body has changed and my hormones have changed and I blamed it Oh, I'm getting older. I'm in my thirties. Like there was an yeah. excuse of to why I was feeling the way I was feeling.
1: Yeah, we will all come up with like, rational reasons of why Probably we're way. well i'm 35 i'm i just must have hip joint pain you know <laughs> like no if you're if you're i mean gosh if you're you know young, it doesn't matter if you've had kids like to me that's an excuse now like if you're yeah. young if you take care of yourself if you're eating healthy if you're taking these supplements and you're still not feeling good if you're having all these issues insomnia, dehydration, anxiety, depression, joint pain, like you're just tired all the time, all day long, Um, brain fog. If you're experiencing all of that, that's not normal.
0: It's not normal. And that's not a good, your quality of life. Like there is better quality of life. That is not quality. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. Yeah. So as far as the other emotional piece that um, I think it's a really big one for women. I think this because I get messages from women because um, they find my story and then they're like, wow, like, like, how do you feel? Like, how do your breasts look? And mm-hmm. like, I just went shopping for bras for the first time and I cried and like women really mm-hmm. struggling with their new image. And it's like, I'm asking them, well, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling good. Like their symptoms are recruiting, but it's their emotional health that they're dealing with because of the change. And then maybe they might not have a supportive spouse or, you know, that might be affecting that relationship too.
1: Yeah. This is a very uh, real topic and a very real subject. It's a very real thing for women. Um, You and I had a chance to chat before and we like for you and I, we were at this place of just accepting our body and self-love. So for us, it really wasn't a big issue to go back to being smaller, right? But again, there are those groups of women who have a real identity attachment to the size of their breasts and their breasts bring them happiness and confidence, right? And worth and all of that. So for me, again, I feel like getting rid of, especially society, right? Getting rid of everybody else's expectations, of what we should be looking like, right? What a woman should look like. Get rid of all of that. Um, and again, that takes like a lot of deep inner work and a lot of truth and a lot of just sitting with yourself and undoing all of these past Gosh, just these past opinions, maybe from your childhood. I mean, it go it can go deep for some women.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, maybe exposure to society since yeah. being a little girl. Like cause I wanted breasts since I was 12. Like I wanted breast implants since mm-hmm. I was 12 because I never developed wow. all my friends. I literally never developed. Like I was a triple, maybe probably like a triple A, somewhere in between triple A, double A. And it's like, well like like I felt like there was something, I really thought for a long time there was something hormonally wrong with me because I never developed breast. Mm. Um, And so I think like for a lot of women, it can start even, it's crazy to think like you're 12 years old and like boobs matter that much to you. Like, but that's how society, like you see, that's what you see a woman. And if you don't have breasts, then you're not feminine. You're not womanly. Yep, exactly. Like it was a lack of.
1: And can you imagine like, gosh, we didn't have social media back then. Oh, so there's yeah. that too, to couple, especially young girls on these days, like you couple social media with, and it all comes down to attention, right? Like, and like you mentioned middle school and high school, you see the girls with big boobs getting attention, right? You see the, the quote unquote, Instagram influencers with big boobs and showing off their body. They're getting attention. They're getting more followers. And it's like, we feel like we need to go to that level to, I don't know, feel something, fill something from deep within us that maybe we're not getting, or maybe we don't even give to ourselves.
0: I think That's you're really on a good thing. I, I feel like you're on something because to me, I tell people this experience was the biggest self-love journey that I ever went through. <laughs> I, you know, I dealt with a lot of shit. Like I, after I got implants, I got implants cause I didn't feel confident, you know, all that crap. And, and then as I got older, I started having that self love for myself. And it was like the breast implants were the final link of letting that go to really embrace like that journey. It was like that final piece of my journey. And that's, uh, to me, it just, it was a beautiful, like, I, like I was telling you, I I'm like so proud. Like I don't even wear padded stuff. Cause I'm like, just, eh, this is who I am. this is my journey, like take it or leave it. And, um, But I think, uh, you know, going back to how we were talking about how women feel, I really feel like it all goes back to that self-love piece. Like, yeah, really just all ties back into that.
1: Yeah. And self-love when I sit and I think of self-love for me, it really boils down to like self respect, like me respecting myself, respecting my body, um, not putting up with other people, like having boundaries. All of that stuff, like to me, that is loving myself. Loving myself is essentially respecting myself. Um, so yeah, a lot of women, not a lot, but there are some women who maybe didn't grow up in a household. like maybe they saw their dad treat them. like it could go so deep. it can go in so many different directions now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. like maybe they saw their dad, you know, picking on their mom's body, and like they just have these weird, distorted um like perceptions of what happiness and a healthy relationship is and maybe some of it's based on how you look like i don't
0: know but um i think this is so hard too is because it's a complicated situation or complex as to why somebody has you know feels the way they do about whatever the case may be but i still feel like there's those things those smaller to me when i started my own self love journey it was simply being able to look in the mirror and not pick myself apart that was the first thing i did okay just so stop yeah. stop or if i said something negative to myself just stop it right there and i didn't have to rebut it with something positive because i didn't believe it at the time so it was just just stopping it and then it eventually turned mm. to smile at yourself in the mirror it eventually turned and say something nice when you say something negative it was like just I mean, this took years for me because I was so, I had such bad body image issues. Like I was, uh, it was, it was bad. So I think like women here, like talking about the self-love and when we talk like about, you know, being so like self-love in ourselves and they're like, I don't even, I can't even imagine being to that step. It's like you, it takes time. And to be put that in perspective, that it's those little things. It's like that little self-care, like just even doing something that feels good for you. Go, if that's like, it's not my thing, but like if making, getting your nails done makes you feel good, like just like those Mm -hmm. little bitty things to be this huge thing, but eventually it compiles into this like different thought process of yourself.
1: Absolutely. And I just wrote some things down as you were talking, like just thinking about this, um, like awareness, like you were just talking about, I would catch myself in a thought and then I would tell myself, no, right. Like you catch yourself. So I feel like yeah, maybe step one is to just become aware of your thoughts, become aware, like really ask yourself, why am I so attached to my breast? Like, when did this start? Who was I hanging around with? Who was I dating? Like, what was I watching on TV? What was I exposed to? So maybe it's just like becoming aware of when this started for you and particularly and becoming aware of those thoughts that are coming in. Like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm so ugly. I hate my cellulite. I'm so disgusting, Uh, blah, 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 blah. Becoming aware of those thoughts and then immediately stopping it. Right. And then, and then I also like really, um, I like telling women to kind of just accept, I know it's, it can be hard, but like, just accept your body for how it looks. Um, or no, I'm sorry, except, well, yeah, accept your body for how it looks, but don't get so stuck on like numbers and sizes and your cellulite and your stretch marks and all of that. And try to like reframe how you see your body and appreciate it for all that it's doing for you to keep you alive. Right. Mm-hmm. All these things, like I probably don't even know half the things that do like it's digesting your food, your heart's beating, you know, all of these things and really start appreciating your body. For what it does for you and how you're feeling and not just by how you're looking or what size you're in like this month, right? Because especially women's bodies, they change over the years, right? Sometimes you get softer, sometimes things go south, you know? And so things are always going to be changing and, um, you know, just really accepting that and embracing, truly embracing your body. Because I feel like when you accept and you embrace your body, that's when like liberation comes and like freedom comes and you're not so concerned, overly concerned with these thoughts about things in your body. And I can't go out because I gained some weight, you know, since my friends last saw me. And so you make these little adjustments in your life. I mean, it can go in many different directions, but yeah. And then I wrote down like thoughts, like you just said, thoughts are super important. I just read read somewhere the other day where some woman said like my body is so disgusting or I don't have the energy to do this. And look, if you keep telling yourself these things, you're essentially going to stay where you are in those things. Like you keep telling yourself you're disgusting. You're going to essentially believe that you're disgusting and you're going to quote unquote in your own words, stay disgusting. Right. But if you start to um, introduce more, positive empowering affirmations into your life even if you don't believe them yet right like i am so smart i am full of energy i am beautiful i embrace myself like if you start to rewire things in your brain i mean there's research on affirmations too right start to tell yourself a different story about your body right um and about yourself and watch how things change cuz again like you i I noticed that I was saying really bad things about my body and all of that. I had body image issues as well. And then when I started to really reframe things and say nice things to myself, I started to believe it over time. And when you start to believe these things, you start to make better choices in life. And when you start to make better choices in life, you meet happier people and you do better things. And you know, the weight seems to come off easier and you're happier. And so, you know, Check in with those thoughts that you're having. Maybe you're not even aware of some things that you think or how you truly feel about your body. So maybe start there, become more aware of those thoughts going on in your head because essentially you do believe them in a way. They're a limiting belief that you're having and they're probably somebody else's belief about you that you're carrying.
0: You know, it's just, yeah. It is. It's, it's like, that's your reality, you know? I mean, whether Mm -hmm. you you are, you're whatever you think. I forgot what the damn Dr. Seuss quote is. Like whether whether you
1: think you're,
0: yeah, you are, you are like whatever you think, (laughs) that's what you are, right? That's what you are,
1: right? So if you think you're brilliant, you are brilliant. If you think you're beautiful, you are beautiful, right? And you don't need somebody else's approval. You don't need somebody else to tell you you're beautiful. You don't need somebody else to make you happy. Everything that you literally need to be happy and healthy and confident is something that you can and should give to yourself first, period, period. Yes yep (laughs) right I buy myself flowers sometimes and I don't hold it as a resentment to my husband like oh he should be getting me flowers it's like no like I want to love myself like I want to give myself these things and I feel like I look good like I don't need my husband I don't need to ask my husband hey honey do you think I look good like no how do I feel about myself you know Mm -hmm. so I would I would go there too yeah and you know you mentioned the unsupportive spouse earlier what if you're what if you have like an unsupportive spouse that is a very that's a very that's a deep one and that is a very deep one I
0: think it is um I just I think what I wanted to just kind of say like what we were talking about before this is that just that if you're dealing with that and you have a spouse that's unsupportive do not think that all men are like that like it's Mm -hmm. it isn't um it's unfortunate that there are some men like that, but don't think it, it's, it's not that gosh, I'm like trying to say this without being touchy, you know?
1: What would you say to your best friend? If she that is like, a good point. let's, let's um, talk to you. Like, what would you, how do you genuinely feel? Like, let's, let's, let's that do this,
0: would be, you know? I mean, to be completely honest. I mean, if that's my friend and I mean, if somebody was honestly talking to me, I know her worth. I know her like I'm pretty sure like you're a beautiful person in yourself. And if boobs is the underlying factor between y'all's relationship, I'm sorry, there's not, then what kind of relationship was that to begin with when something like that kind of, it just brought that out? Is something yeah. I really evaluate like y'all's relationship if that's something that is a breaking factor in a relationship is, is an appearance. And not only that, but it gets me really heated because it's not just a thing of looks, it's like this is your health. Yeah. And the person that you're with should uphold that above all else. Because when I took a vow, I said, you know, good in sickness or in health, you know, and it's like, if that was my husband, like if there was something about him physically that had to change in order for him to be healthy, like, and it, it, I'd be all for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh,
1: just it's hard for me to understand because, you know, my husband was supportive, but he was he was very cautious in the beginning. Like you said, he was like, Oh gosh, you know, what is she looking into now? You know, because I was doing years and years of research trying to figure out what's wrong with me and now I'm telling him, Hey, I think it's my boobs, yeah. you know, making me see and he's like, Oh gosh, like what is it now? You know, and it took him some time, but he's like, Oh, you know, if this is what you want to do and if this is what you really feel like is um is wrong with you, then yeah, I support you, right? And so like Jessica said, your health and your livelihood and how you show up in your marriage and with your kids and in life in general should absolutely be what's most important um, to your husband. I don't know how else to say it or sugarcoat it or anything. Um, I just, I don't, I don't get men like that. I don't. And Jessica and I were kind of talking before this and If you're nervous, like, Oh, I'm not going to be able to like, what if I do leave my husband? Like, I can't take it anymore. I'm not, no man's ever going to love me with small breasts. That's wrong. (laughs) Like there are men out there who literally do not care about your breast size. My husband even told me, he's like, if there was a woman who was just confident and you know, she had small breasts, like that's what's most important to like a quality man. And I consider my husband to be a very quality man. Um, if you, you know, if you're just a good person, your breast size is not gonna matter to the right man.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you this, my breasts, like I'm not even a double A. I'm concave at the top, I'm sat like like they're not pretty and our, you know, does not affect my sex life at all. Mm-hmm. If anything is better, have more energy. <laughs> you exactly. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a, a tiebreaker <laughs> by any means. Right.
1: And maybe you say to your husband, look, I'm always tired. If I get these boobs out, I'm going to have more, se- I'm going to have more energy for yeah. sex. Like, you know, like, I don't know what you have to say because there's everybody's relationship, their dynamic right. and everything is so different. So it's hard to, this isn't like, uh, you know, Something can size, recommend something. to everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So we do understand that there are some women who their husband is literally a breast man, literally just into their looks, yeah. how they look, you know, and,
0: you know, yeah. and maybe at that point, cause I mean, just being open line of communication, don't mm-hmm. maybe yeah. don't get offended. So what's something that I have learned in my life, like a life lesson is when somebody says, cause it can be very offending. Like I can just imagine if my husband was to be like, well, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm going to be sexually attracted to you. Instead of closing off and shutting down right there, maybe kind of ask him more questions. Is I mean, it is something that they're going through too, as far as a transition. But it shouldn't be like he's saying that's an ultimatum. But if he's being honest and open, you know, maybe kind of further go into that conversation. See where's he coming from. Is he coming from like? I don't know, a place of, like, being open and honest or a place of just being an asshole, (laughs) you know? Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, because we got to think about it. Men are also conditioned, too. They're conditioned to think, like, even women with big... For some men, my my husband personally doesn't care, but, like, some men think, like, breasts, like, woman with a breast is, like, the thing. Like, I have to have a woman with a breast. So men are also conditioned, too, um, you know, when it comes to, like breasts and their wife's body image and all of that so that's another interesting thing to think about you know they're also conditioned and yeah it's like a whole nother route whole nother rabbit hole
0: (laughs) exactly but I I just wanted to bring it up just to be let women aware is like that it's not like if something was to happen with that relationship it doesn't mean you're unlovable or no man whatever Mm -hmm. because there are men out there that it, they really don't care that much about that. You know, they care more about the woman or maybe they're a butt guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right.
0: What's are in right now. I'm just telling you, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm hoping to, that we're going to see this trend where like also small boobs are a thing too, which I kind of seen that a little bit on Instagram. There's some pages and stuff that I follow where it's the natural, you know, it seems yeah. like natural starting to kind of come in a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think natural, regardless of the size of the breasts, exactly. I think That's natural I mean. is coming in, yeah. right? It doesn't mean natural, small, but like natural, if you have natural big breasts, great. If you have natural small breasts, great. But I think natural, is, is definitely trend. Like it's heading that way.
0: Um, I can see it know. going that way too. Yeah. I feel like even in health in general, cause me and you are health people like into that and mm-hmm. like even more being aware of like more holistic health. Like there's just, I see that trend and I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. Um, yeah. In the future.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the one good thing about social media. It's like the, the accounts that are empowering women to like see themselves for who they are and love themselves for who they are you know all of that
0: oh and that's a good point if like you're going through this journey unfollow people that trigger you if you're following some fitness model or somebody um, on Instagram and it's triggering when you see that woman and you're comparing yourself like unfollow (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: that's always my rule number one if somebody like if somebody says well what would you tell women you you hit it you hit it unfollow accounts That when you scroll through their feed, you're feeling bad about your body, you're feeling ugly, you're feeling fat, you're feeling unsuccessful, you're comparing your relationship to theirs. Although they might not be intentionally, quote unquote, making you feel that way, if you find that you're following this one person, this one account, and you're leaving their account feeling just inadequate, unfollow them. Yeah. That's a great
0: point. It is. It puts goggles on us because it's like you're on social media and it just seems like everybody's like that or everybody has this perfect Mm -hmm. look and it's just a small percentage of like the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. So do that as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, I want everybody to go on Instagram, go on Facebook, and just scroll. Notice how you're feeling when you land upon pictures of people. And if you feel like you're comparing yourself to that person, unfollow them for like a month. See how you feel in like a, like a couple of weeks. I almost guarantee you're going to feel a little better about yourself and your body and your life. You know, you're not going to be comparing every little thing that you might not have in your eyes to theirs, to what they do have. Right? That's in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: so, I really enjoyed this conversation. Like this, I think this hit on some really good things that, like I said, when we talked, I really wanted to speak on some emotional aspects of the journey. So with that being said, what are some final words for somebody? Um, like if they're now, they're like, okay, I want to learn more. Um, mm-hmm. where do find you? How do you help women through this process? Yeah.
1: So if you definitely want to learn more about Breast implant illness, breast implant, explanting, this whole this whole topic, definitely go inside of my Facebook, Facebook group. So it's um breast implant illness, rejuvenation, and education with Christina. Or if you just put it in the URL, it's super easy to find. So it's facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash breast implant illness. Boom. It'll take you right to my group. Go in there, um, go under the files section and go under the announcement section. That's where you're going to find all the information about pretty much everything that we just talked about today and more. And then obviously, if you go under like the discussion feed, you will see all the stories. You will hear, you know, everything. Um, so go there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at um, size happy underscore with Christina. And then if you are, if you're looking to have like, coaching and mentorship. If you want to go through a program with me and my partner who's a chiropractor, she's a detox specialist, um, I have a program called the BII Bridge. It's a 12-week program for both pre-explant and post-explant, so depending on where you are. Pre-explant, so my role in the BII bridge is to help women emotionally and mentally just navigate this whole thing. So I do EFT sessions, meditations, guided visualizations. I talk a ton about self-love, but not in the fluff sense. Like I get down to the real like root of what self-love really means. I talk about stress. I talk about emotions. um, I talk about a lot of stuff, but my role in the BII bridge is to help women emotionally and mentally. And my um, partner's role in the BII bridge is to help physically because she's a chiropractor she's a detox specialist so she will be talking more about like nutrition and supplements and everything like that so together it's a holistic approach program everything needs to be addressed your mind your body your emotions all of that um, so pre-explant we focus on bumping up the immune system and gut health post-explant we focus on detox because that's a very important aspect Um post-explant. So detox, especially detoxing emotions too, and all of that stuff. So um, you can go to biibridgeprogram.com just to kind of learn more about that. Um, Yeah, that's about it. So Facebook group, Instagram, and then if they want
0: like a more customized approach to all of this, the BII bridge. Perfect. Thank you for sharing all that. And that's something when y'all put that together, I was like, yes, this is so needed. I have not (laughs) seen anything else like that. Like that. You
1: would think after six, seven years of like big groups being and people advocating that they would, uh, there would be something like this out there for women. To go through and navigate because when you go inside of these groups, it can be a little overwhelming and you know, confusing. What do I do? What do I take? When do I do this? How do I do this? Why don't I do this? You get so many different opinions and advice, which is great. But it can also be overwhelming and for some of you, it can also be very dangerous, especially if you have any pre-existing conditions or like the MTHFRG mutation or you're on any medications. So we really get to know you, what you're going through, what you've been through, medications you're on, so on and so forth. Um, so it's not like um it's not like just this general one-size-fits-all program if you're thinking that. it's We get to really know you and your body, what you're, you've been through and stuff like that. And we really try to tailor everything to you as much as we can. So um, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that out there either. And so I just wanted to have something that I would have loved to gone through that would have made just more peace of mind and more clarity and just working with two women who have already gone through this as well, like to have their support and everything like that so yeah that's,
0: yeah that's amazing well thank yeah. you so much i really <laughs> truly enjoyed this conversation and um thank you for everything you do in the breast implant illness community yeah
1: thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> bye christine <laughs> bye bye guys bye. <laughs>
0: Hey there mama, are you trying to figure out how to lose the last of the belly fat, but also have strong curves in all the right places with a booty that would make JLo proud? You've lost the majority of the baby weight, but now you want to take your fitness to the next level by gaining lean muscle and transforming your body. So you've Googled things like how to gain lean muscle, how to get tone, and you've tried free fitness challenges from Instagram fitness chicks, but you're still stuck and nothing seems to be working. I hear you loud and clear. I've totally been there and you could totally trial and error it like I did for a few years, but I don't want you to get so frustrated that you give up in the process altogether. So I created this simple and right to the point guide that explains the top five fitness mistakes you are making that are keeping you stuck. These are the top five things that I continue to see sabotaging women's results and these are the five top things that i struggled with and i had to learn to overcome when i had to take when i wanted to take my fitness to the next level so you're gonna want to go ahead and grab this free guide you can go to www.mamasnewstrong.com forward slash five mistakes that's www.mamasnewstrong.com forward slash five mistakes because i don't want you to make these same mistakes in 2020